slowly drive away from the cops listening to the country station? Terrible. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, start this meeting. Thank you and welcome to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself. I am the Troop Scout leader, Dustin Lays with Beef, across from me. And this is Denim still on the patch. <laughs> Guys, haven't had a cigarette. That's... At least two days by my count. No, when did we record? That was four days. At least four days, guys. Um, we're very proud of you. Um, in between the wearing patch and uh, <laughs> Troop Scout Leader, here myself, I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief Runs With Bins. And we got another great episode brought to you by our Straight Arrow Oath. So if you would all, in Scout uniform, three-finger salute, and those at home in civilian clothes, hand over your heart, and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow always returns the great Santini on time. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? We Matanya? We Matanya! Well, it feels like this meeting has officially begun. Let's start it off with some episode info from our historian. This is still the second season of King of the Hill. This is episode 17, 29th episode overall. It originally aired on March 1st, 1998. Yeah, it's entitled Hank's Dirty Laundry. <laughs> this one is written by the well-known team, Jonathan Abel and Glenn Berger. Kung Fu Panda. Yes, of course, the ones and onlys. <laughs> yeah, this is their fifth writing credit for King of the Hill. Uh, after Westy Side Story, Peggy the Boggle Champ, Arrowhead, and Meet the Manger Babies. So Meet the Manger Babies wasn't even that long ago. Like, these ones are pretty close to each other here. Yeah, that's true. This is a first time for the series here. Director Sean Cashman. He stays on as a director, um, but he seems to mainly just kind of be in the animation department until 2003. Before this, though, he really only worked <clears throat> on one episode of The Simpsons. A Tale of Two Springfields. Oh, yeah. He went on to be quite involved in The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. I actually watched that show quite a fair bit. I feel like I did, too. I, but I, don't, I can't remember. It was the, uh, the young boy and the young girl who always hang out with the Grim Reaper. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he never wants them to be around. In the... Yeah, this guy was, seemed to direct a lot of it. But, yeah, the director's intro that he did for this one was just kind of Hank's face, re and it was reading a dirty magazine, and him, he was just doing the blah, like, oh, over and over and over. I remember that. It was actually, like, a lot of blahs. It was just, yeah, until nonstop, until that, like, sexy yahoos and triangles song. Started to play? Yeah. Nice. And it said, Hank's Dirty Laundry. And that brings us to the episode synopsis. Quick one. Hank fights to clear his good name after mistakenly being charged for not returning a dirty movie to the local video store. Why wouldn't he just pay the fee? Why wouldn't you just pay the $40, Hank? Why wouldn't he just admit that he rented it? <laughs> well, if he did or if he didn't, <laughs> just return it. 
So jumping right into this episode, there is no cold open, and this may be a first-time director, but it's a familiar scene. It's a slow pan across Rainy Street. We see Dale. He's dirt fishing, a.k.a. metal detecting in his front yard. Uh, I can't remember what everyone else is doing. I know Peggy's doing laundry. Bill's having a morning beer. Bill's having his morning beer. That's right. There's a nice little tune that Hank's humming along to. It's... <laughs> uh, Hank finally after passing through Raining Street uh, which we actually get to see depicted uh, as an address later which I'll go into Hank s- comes home to see Peggy uh, putting out I guess his physical clean laundry uh, out onto the line because obviously their dryer broke Hank notices his personal private undergarments and now the whole neighborhood <laughs> knows I wear them <laughs> I know, like, what does he think they assume he wears? <laughs> right? <laughs> Briefs, duh. <laughs> but I guess Peggy says, like, the, the dryer's broken, and he's just like, okay, we need to get a new one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know you, Mr. Story, might have liked that quick scene of Luann. Uh, she was out there helping Peggy. She was, yeah, she was doing her laundry. It was, yeah, she was out there enjoying the sun. Yeah, she's in her uh, bikini, and of course... Well, she's uh, got to get, she's gotta get, she's gotta get tan. Yeah. And Hank has to throw the sheet back to cover her up. <laughs> I mean, he knows that's why Bill is out there watching in the first place. Like, just having a nice beer. <laughs> I mean, that's why Dale was fucking dirt fishing also. It's his yard. He's, a, he's dirt fished there. <laughs> Unless well, he was dirt fishing in Hank's yard. Yeah, he I mean I mean he states and I think it's uh, King of the Anthill that his yard is just like weeds and auto parts. So maybe he's just looking for some new parts for the uh, bug of bago. Yes, of course, spark plug. He's, he needs sp- he needs a new spark plug. So but yeah, I guess they need a new dryer, so they're going to go and get one. But At Megalomart, they're at the appliance section, and of course, Hank's looking into buying a new dryer for the family, and he asks the salesman about propane dryers, to which uh, the salesman starts to speak for a second. Could you tell me the difference between an electric dryer and a propane dryer? Sure. A propane dryer costs a little more. Uh, only at first. And then proceeds to give him a very long lecture that lasts into the next scene, really. And we get to see uh, Buckley in his new <laughs> position has <laughs> been promoted to greeter. Hey. Hey. Hello, Buckley. Hey. When did you get promoted to greeter? Yester. Hey. Day. <laughs> it's probably the only spot at Megalomart where he actually does his job properly. Like, he doesn't know what a hammer is, and he worked in the hardware section. I love it when he's, like, on break, and Bobby tries to say hey to him, and he just looks at his watch. Yeah. Hey. And yeah, while uh, Peggy and Hank, mostly Hank, continue to shop or sell propane, I'm not really sure <laughs> what Hank's uh, ulterior motive to being at Megalomart is. He just seems to be having a great time. But I did notice he was in his work shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. And while this is going on, for some reason, Bobby assumes that Hank and Peggy are shopping for his birthday, and they're trying to find out what he's really into, even though his birthday isn't till three and a half weeks away, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Bobby's under the assumption that Luann is totally in on the gag, and that 
she is also working with Peggy and Hank to find out what Bobby wants for his birthday, and she's just being completely honest, and where she doesn't know a damn thing about well, what he's talking about. She's like, yeah, they're here to buy a dryer. I'm pretty sure. Like, and Bobby just doesn't put it down for the whole episode. No. <laughs> I, it was that kind of actually at this moment where I was like, Luann totally smokes weed all the time. <laughs> like, I was like, she's just like down. Like, she's just playing with Bobby this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just going along with what this 12-year-old is like, already thinks it's his birthday (laughs) yeah i love when they are like their b plot is just like the two of them just kind of toddling around and i think we haven't seen it since uh like peggy boggle champ yeah when uh the hank and peggy are away in dallas and luann and bobby just get into some ridiculousness yeah like whole stories together they haven't had they haven't had many no yeah it's fun i like when they're together but meanwhile i think hank has maybe finally found a dryer Think about it, Luann. Why would you bring a child to a department store to buy a dryer when his birthday is three and a half weeks away? It just doesn't make sense. So Hank, I think, has found the dryer that uh, he can use. And he what is Peggy's as a spin master? Something like that. Uh, and they bring it up to the counter, and uh, they're just about to pay for it. And then Hank gets offered a Megalomart card. And he says, no, I already have one credit card. That's enough. Uh, True. But Peggy's sold on the 10% off your first purchase. Peggy's sold on the Chuck Mangione advertising. <laughs> 10% off? Well, Chuck Mangione supports it, and his diet shakes did okay by me. I checked. There are no such diet shakes. Really? I, I looked for them. I was hoping, but there's none. Damn. Flugel fuel. Remember when we looked for Mark Wahlberg's? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, get marked? Marked. That's yeah, what it they was exist. Called. Yeah. yeah, it's a thing. Well, we tried to order it. You Well, I tried to get you to order it, and they wouldn't ship to Canada. Yeah, I wonder if they do now. I Yeah, I think there was something, there was something pretty cagey um, in the ingredients <laughs> <laughs> that prevented it from yeah. being like legally <laughs> shipped out of the country. <laughs> Uh, well, Mark, if you're listening, I'm looking to get marked. <laughs> Donnie, I'll settle for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll just take a wall burger, please. <laughs> Protein style. But of course, uh, the credit check, the dreaded credit check happens. And Hank has bad credit. It's insane. He's even in his work shirt. He's like, <laughs> I have a job. <laughs> you're embarrassing me. But uh, obviously, um, he can't pay for it. And so we asked, like, well, why am I, like, why do I have bad credit? And I guess the video store can check, or no, I guess Megalomart can check why. No. But as it gets declined, he just turns him away and takes the next customer. When I guess Hank turns around to see. He sees Bobby, and he is having the time of his life. He's on a bicycle, a new bike, and he's got a like a Nerf gun in his hand, and it's it's also on sale. I'm having the time of my life, and it's on sale. <laughs> you don't need a credit card for this. It's on sale. <laughs> yeah, I guess Bobby got bored of hanging out by the dirt bikes and Toblerones. <laughs> <laughs> well, Toblerones melting. <laughs> Yeah, Bobby's first ideas at presents were way sweeter. Yeah. <laughs> Dirt bike and chocolate. That's probably what I would have asked for when I was 12. Maybe not a Toblerone, but the dirt bike for sure. I was always into that Spider-Man shoot-a-web thing that you can attach to your wrist. Oh, the, the just one... the silly string. <laughs> attached to yeah. Yes. I remember wanting that a lot. And yeah. it was and just reasons. too messy. 
<laughs> and reasons. You were a reasons guy. I do like that. Was easy. Like that was a reasons every birthday. It's chocolate on chocolate, it's like <laughs> something else. It's delicious. <laughs> it's something else. Those fucking novelty silly string toys. They're fun for about six seconds, and you run out of silly <laughs> string, and no one's gonna buy you. I know. It's plan. like the, like mom buys it for you for your birthday, and then you use it all the silly string, and then you're like, well, I'm never gonna buy that again because i said clean yeah. up the silly string yeah it's just like hey can we run back down to toys r us like i'm totally out of silly string like, <laughs> yeah. no never <laughs> and like the packages for refills are like triple the price of the regular gun and yeah. it's just like shaving now it's so frustrating <laughs> trying to buy razor cartridges <gasps> i should just buy a new one it's like not even fun it's not even more fun to use it on your wrists than it is to just hold the spray can oh you're, you're less accurate with yeah. that <laughs> anyway, back in Arlen, Hank's now at, at work. He's at Strickland, and he's with Melinda, and she's helping him check his credit score. And Hank's under the impression that there's no way that she'll just be able to access his credit score. Hank believes that he'll have to talk to his credit bureau, you know, sign some sort of permission waiver. But Melinda knows what she's doing, and it just costs 10 bucks, 10 bucks for a processing fee. And right about then, Buck Strickland walks in. I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but this, if you would have closed your eyes and listened to Buck Strickland talk, you would have thought it was Bill. I always do. This one was a, extremely obvious to me for some reason. There was like no parody between it, whether it was Bill No, I didn't think about Buck. that, but yeah. But do we have a clip? No, I'll just deduct that from your paycheck. Yeah, that totally, I can hear Stephen Root. And it is uncanny. Sure. They are the same voice. <laughs> I mean, they're probably just as drunk. Yeah. And he's also just still uncredited, Stephen Root is at this point, so he's just still getting paid no and, matter what. And one just like, I can just do my regular voice. <laughs> and one isn't sad. <laughs> yeah, one's Bill with dignity. Well, Slight. it's not that far. I don't know that Buck has any dignity. It's Bill with money and women. <laughs> yeah, he's just not sad. <laughs> yeah, I guess more confidence, I should have said. Yeah. But it's it's none other than Buck Strickland looking over Hank's shoulder who realizes what's the problem? What's the rat hair in Hank's tuna? The rat hair <laughs> in the tuna. I love that. That's a new one. I, it was a weird one. I'm, I like it. I mean, I ate a tuna sandwich the other day, and I would have hate to have a rat hair in it. So I've been pretty pissed, too. Yeah. And uh, what the rat hair and the tuna is, is Hank owes 40 bucks to uh, Arlen Video, apparently, for, uh, for late fees. It says I owe $40, and that can't be true. I always bring back my tapes. Look for yourself. I've returned the Great Santini 23 times. <laughs> um, have you ever seen the Great Santini? The Great Santini? I haven't, no. Is it a John Wayne movie? No, it is not a John Wayne movie. What the hell? Why is Hank, <laughs> yeah. why is Hank re-watching it 23 times? So no I John have Wayne. a theory about this movie. I haven't seen it, but I watched quite a large portion of it on YouTube. Uh, they, there's like a handful of scenes on YouTube and like trailers and stuff. It stars Robert Duvall. It's from 1979. Um, and it was about – it's basically about like a sergeant, like an army – he's just like an army nerd who's just like – really into being in the army, but then, like, there's no war. So he's, like, super rough to his his family. The trailers make it look like it's kind of a comedy, and I it's kind of just sad. Like, the guy just, like, really just, like, bullies his kids and, like, it's... Yeah, he's got, like, a family of, what, like, four kids? Yeah. Uh, with the oldest being probably, like, 14. No, that guy's, like... 16? Uh, yeah, 16, 17, like... Yeah, like, in the trailer, it shows, like... 
like funny scenes of him freaking out, but like the actual clips are like the full scene of him freaking out, and it's a lot more sad and pathetic. It's so how he treats his kids, pathetic. so it's very misleading. So, any actually, look, can we do we have a we have a clip of Great Santini? Can we play just like a bit? But you are marine kids and can chew nails while other kids are sucking cotton candy, and you're Meachums. Meacham is a thoroughbred, a winner all the way. Gets the best grades, wins the most awards, and excels in sports. So Hank just idolizes this guy? No, I think <laughs> I think Hank relates to the children in the movie because the father in the movie is essentially Cotton. Yeah, like during this scene, he's dressed up in a colonel's uniform yeah. and instructing them like a drill sergeant, which reminds me a lot of... And, they're like, and there's like a 7-year-old, probably like a 10-year-old, like a 13-year-old, and the oldest is like probably 16. And like... Yeah, like, there's, like, two girls and two boys, and they're just sitting there, like, with, like, dolls and shit, and this mm-hmm. guy's just kind of being an asshole. And like, like just an older man screaming at children. Yeah, Robert like, Duvall, and, yeah, he's just, like... Well, when you first started describing the movie, I was like, oh, man, like, this guy is a psychotic, like, serial killer or something, and you're like, I think it's supposed to be a comedy. <laughs> like, it, it, it's, it isn't funny, and, I like, I think they tried to bill it as a comedy, but it's sad. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's very sad, and I'm not sure why, if Hank, like, uh, views it as a positive or as a negative. Maybe Hank thinks it's funny because it's relatable. I think probably just that, so Hank sees it as a comedy. I mean, yeah, I don't know, it's a different world. I, I don't, yeah, but it was, uh, it, 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 I, like, I saw the bit of it, and I was like, oh, this makes so much sense because it's clearly cotton. Like, I remember you were like, oh, I got to show you this scene. And then you sh- played me the scene and I kind of looked up at you and you're like, yeah, it's a lot sadder without like context. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can see why Hank would want to get this thing out of his VCR rewound and returned in time because he doesn't, he doesn't want to be reminded of this movie, the great Santini coming back every Thanksgiving and criticizing his life. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, the clerk at Arlen Video, he's accusing Hank of renting a movie called Cuffs and Collars. Now, Hank's never heard of it before, and he begins to ask his family if maybe that they rented it without him knowing. Bobby, you ever heard of a movie called Cuffs and Collars? Ooh, I think that's the one with the two cops who don't get along, but then they do, but it's too late because he's dead, but not really. So you've seen it? No. But he's seen every other buddy cop movie with cuffs and or blue collar shirts, maybe. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I was trying to think of it. And then, like, that until that very last line, I was like, I don't know what movie he's talking about anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the beginning's so easy. It's like they don't like each other, then they <laughs> like each other, but it's too late. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, lethal weapon. But, <laughs> but no, uh, that, uh, that clerk, he sounds like he may be from Future Man. Yeah, he just may be from Future Man. Uh, the voice of the Arlen Video Clerk is none other than our friend Billy West, who we met as nice. Mr. Holloway in um, the season one episode, The Company Man. And if you don't know who Billy West is, he voiced pretty much everyone and everything on Futurama, including Philip J. Fry and Dr. Zoidberg, just to name a couple. Yeah, yeah. I I can yeah. I, I will never voice. get that out of my head ever. Like <laughs> I can just picture it perfectly. I love it. I told you I didn't rent the tape. Now who's calling me a liar? You or the machine? Because I want to know whose ass to kick. I'm not calling you a liar, sir. Fine. Now where's the ass on this thing? I love it because any of those people like uh, Billy West or like is it DiMaggio? 
on uh, from Futurama. Like they just they always sound like I always can hear their voice and think I'm watching Futurama. Like yeah. <laughs> it's such good uh, voice actors. Mm-hmm. They're like the same, but so different in each one. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so many of the voices and so many of the random characters. <laughs> uh, but Hick, he goes looking for cuffs and collars in the video store, and he doesn't know where to look. He's looking at action adventure, action comedy, action action, <laughs> and uh, eventually he travels through the godforbidden beads into the adult-only section, uh, to which I believe he comes running out screaming once he realizes where he is. Not after he runs into a couple other patrons. <laughs> Also shopping. Nancy and Red Corn. <laughs> they just ran into each other there. Yeah, no, they, they were both shopping on their mutual conveyance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we cut to the next scene. Mm-hmm. Hank's back home, and he's, he's pretty mad. He's pretty agitated. And Peggy's uh, remaining calm. But we find out in this scene that she doesn't truly believe Hank, which is a little absurd to me, considering just how grossed out Hank is, um, but he can't even really say the words pornography without getting all weird and awkward about it. And she's like, no, I, I believe you, Hank, but I just have one question for you. Did you rent that tape? Yeah. <laughs> like, she keeps going back at him and just keeps making Hank getting, or makes Hank just get madder and madder. Well, I don't care if you did or if you didn't. But, but did he? <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, I think it might, uh, I normally would agree with you, but not that long ago. You know, Hank was found to be sick with mono back in Valentine's Day. That's true. And Peggy actually checks her calendar looking back on the day. I believe it was June 23rd. And she was playing Boggle with Nancy. And Hank was home alone. Hank insisted he was helping install the handrails in his father's shower. Right. But Hank has no proof. That's true. (laughs) Although Hank seems like the man who would keep a receipt, so... Oh, yeah. Especially for something that Cotton is going to be, like, hauling on. Or he, yeah, he'd be like, and that was the day that Hank or uh, Cotton threw the wrench at my head. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he kept a receipt for shower grout for 17 years. <laughs> He's got the receipt for that handrail. <laughs> but maybe he bought it, you know, in preparation. Previous. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he just had it in the bank. But uh, after his interaction with Peggy, Hank heads outside, and who does he find? So, Nancy tells me she ran into John Redcorn at the video store. The two of them heard you complain about some porno tape you lost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He jokes on Hank. (laughs) Hank denies it outright. But Bill is just so relieved. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not the only one who is disgusted by pornography. See, no. Bill's disgusted by pornography, but he loves women wrestling, except when it's in pudding, because that's just demeaning to the people who make pudding. I mean, he's got, he's got his morals in check. They all make sense. <laughs> they all check out. He's consistent. I wonder if that's another one of his lies, where he actually does like them wrestling in pudding, but he doesn't like real wrestling. Who doesn't like pudding wrestling? Well, I do believe we see him eating pudding and watching Luad <laughs> <laughs> men wrestle. And now, Boomhauer, no stranger to the video store, uh, knew about cuffs and collars, obviously. Yeah, man, talking about that dang old cuffs and collars, man. Like when they come over to clean that pool, man, start going. <laughs> Sounds like I'm in a like a transition scene between a Seinfeld episode and a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so Hank just continues to deny, 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 and he is not going to let his credit get ruined by a computer error. 
But Dale knows that computers do not make errors. What they do, they do on purpose. By now, your name and particulars have been fed into every laptop, desktop, mainframe, and supermarket scanner that collectively make up the global information conspiracy otherwise known as the Beast. Hank tries to brush this off as just another one of Dale's conspiracies, but... But later, he gets a phone call at work from Matt from Consenting Adults. And he starts off pretty casually, like they know each other, you know, how's it going, Hank Hill? Pretty good. You know, how's your wife? And obviously using this information about him, against him, in order to sell him more smut. <laughs> it's funny, Hank, like, just trying to be the good good salesman. He probably knows every single, like, client he's ever had by the he's sound of their the voice. Rolodex, yeah, he's right? looking through his address or his name book, and he's just like, okay, uh, Matt, Matt, Matt. And the guy's just obviously got Hank's, like, very simple uh, information about him, who is, where he works, what his name is, what his wife's name is. And, and Hank finally just goes, do I know you? <laughs> or do we know each other? I can't remember what do you, Did you recognize who Matt was? No. He's the one and only David Herman. Ah. Yeah. Busy episode for David Herman. Oh, he said hey like six times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, so um, after this exchange is, well, I guess before this exchange is over even, he finds out that Arlen Video is the one who told him about it. And the people in the office start to hear about it. He tries to play it off casually. Like it's a radio station. <laughs> it's the wacky 104 morning Some show. Yeah, some morning zoo. Anyway, he hangs up the phone and, uh, and then in... In the, in the episode, it goes through, like, this, like, big montage of of his name being printed all off. And, like, he signed up for all these free tapes and, like, all yeah, this like stuff. Yeah, like, hundreds of Hank Hill, whatever his address yeah. is, Rainy Street. But in uh, there's a deleted scene um, right after this that kind of unveils the beast. And so after all this goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and falls through the internet and comes up at some guy's computer. And it's just, like, some, like, slightly overweight. 20 year old guy just like sitting at a computer desk just like with just like a soda drink just like <laughs> right out of that uh make love not warcraft episode from south park pretty much the yeah. dude who keeps killing everybody pretty much <laughs> but yeah i thought it was funny that they decided to unveil the beast in the deleted scene Back on Rainy Street, we see the Hills mailbox, and it's overflowing with uh, pornographic magazines, videos, and equipment that uh, Hank didn't order. But uh, our good friend from Consulting Adults was was nice enough to put Hank's name on some mailing list, apparently. And, like, that's a lot of free shit. <laughs> yeah, not only was he kind enough to put Hank's name, but also his address. I wondered if it was free or if Hank was going to get billed for this. Like, I... I wasn't sure at this point if this like if this was going to be a whole episode about like a massive fraud. Oh, and or just just solely about it, the, the 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 principle. Claims, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Hank's address. I just wanted to jump in quick and say that it was depicted as three twenty Rainy Arlen, uh, TX seven eight seven zero one, and that is the Dan. That is the default standard U.S. Postal Service zip code for Austin, Texas. Well, that works out nicely, doesn't it? <laughs> sure does. Well, thanks for that, Mr. Troop Scout Leader. I knew I'm... that because of Ludacris. Is he has Ludacris from Ireland? <laughs> I don't know. He's got a hose there. <laughs> Zip code, not oh, area, that's area code. Oh, area codes. Fuck. <laughs> 
But we see Bill. <laughs> Bill's horrified. He thought that Hank Shame on you, Hank Hill. What you do in the privacy of your own home is disgusting enough, but to let it spill out into our streets where my future children will someday play? Well, that is going too far. Shame. I think the writers of Game of Thrones owe this <laughs> They totally, they totally ripped him off. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Just watch Game of Thrones. I'm sorry. I did. I watched like the first season like three times, and the second season like okay. well, I saw like half the second season twice. Okay. Well, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but that's okay. <laughs> but I think uh, at right around this point, someone shows up on a school bus. Oh yeah, Bobby, and Peggy's taking note, and she's screaming for Peggy to Bobby to stay on the bus. Your only way out is to start life over with a new identity. If you want, I can get you the birth certificate of a child who died in 1953. It's hardly been used. <laughs> uh, I love Dale's advice, but Hank, he's not a quitter. He doesn't want to give up on being Hank Hill. I guess <laughs> he's not ready to assume. Damn it, he's worked hard for that name. <laughs> yeah, he's built up a a, a reputation. Of uh, being a good man but having bad credit. He's apparently. got at least three friends. Yeah, they're. Well, he's got two right now. Yeah, Boomer ditched him. <laughs> Bill already went over there to drink oh, yeah. beer. Bill ditched him. <clears throat> I love it because, like, in the other episode, uh, Dale's like, "What would it be like if we drank beer over there?" <laughs> Bill's actually doing it. Yeah, and he doesn't look like he's having very much fun. No. But uh, we finally get to hear the name of uh, Dale Gribble's alter ego. Apparently, at this point, he wasn't too attached to it. He's offering up to Hank. If you want, I can get you the birth certificate of a child who died in 1953. It's hardly been used. No, I am not a quitter. Who's not a quitter? My dead friend Hank Hill or my new friend Rusty Shackelford? I don't think it's barely been used. I think that I think Rusty's got a paper trail yeah. <laughs> since 1954. Yeah, <laughs> he's at least got six emails created just for the Xbox Live membership. <laughs> well, it's funny. I never realized that it took till we're like you know three quarters of the way through season two for Rusty Shackelford to be mentioned. I mean, it's such a key part and like such a key joke, running joke in the series. I thought. I just never realized that it took this long to uh, to show itself. I thought that I saw that it said it was the first mention of it, and I was kind of I had to go back and look um, up at the episode where he threatens the school for the sex ed, mm. uh, square peg, and I had to see. You if, don't know yeah, who this is. <laughs> I I kind of was like I maybe I was just. Maybe I just associate Dale's any many alter egos with Rusty, but I I thought he said it there, but he didn't. I mean, with a show like this, it feels like all the jokes that they have, a lot of them stick around, like a lot of the themes. So it's just got to take its time to build up that library that you guys know so well, but I'm just still kind of learning. So I bet you I'm going to start to notice it and feel a lot more Rusty Shackelford reference that I wouldn't have otherwise. That's true. Just thinking now, it's amazing that Rusty Shackelford didn't appear in a Johnny Hardwick written episode. You would have think that you know he would have been the driving you That's know, a good point. force behind it, but uh, you know maybe he mentioned it or brought it up somewhere. Well, I mean, but... just because he didn't write the episode doesn't mean he didn't come up with that bit. Yeah, it's true. You think he had somewhere else to go every day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at right about this time, we see a couple kids coming home from school. 
Yeah, and Peggy begs them to stay in the bus. Look at all those cards and gifts. This is going to be the best birthday ever. Yeah, Peggy is beside herself, and uh, she she basically rushes Bobby inside because he can't look at any of it. Yeah, and he because he but he's playing along. He thinks it's his birthday present. Well, of course. <laughs> um, but now Hank's gonna Hank and the boys uh, all go down to the post office and like the post office. Uh, like, well, how are you gonna convince your buddies to go to the post office with you? I mean, I guess they want to watch you try and claim you didn't rent this porn. Well, I think it's we find out you know a couple seconds later in the scene we know Boomhauer's real reason well, for heading down to the post office he's had his eye on that cute little mail clerk and I for guess a while. Dale wants to coach him through everything oh Dale's loving yeah. this he's <laughs> loving Hank how afraid he is and he's finally biting on all Dale's conspiracy theories yeah because as soon as Hank starts to agree with Dale like publicly the lady turns to Boomhauer do you know this guy no dadgum way, man. It's just some dirty old man hanging around sex toys back at my place if you're interested. <laughs> Same sentence, turn around. I feel like Boomhauer and this woman have a relationship. Like, they've met, they know each other. Yeah, I am almost, I almost think that she comes back. Oh, really? In, in the series, but as, a, like, a, a postal, like, delivery okay. person. But I saw someone, um in the post office and there's that little old lady and uh, she seemed to know Hank and um, she was asking him about his uh, his packages that he's got. You threw out your mail, son. Don't you want to prolong your love making <gasps> pleasure for just pennies a night, Mr. Hank? Give me that. <laughs> now, is, can I guess who that is? Go ahead. Is it, uh, is it? It's Velma Throckmorton, oh. who we met in the Snow Job episode. And who... it is... Our good friend, Cheryl Holiday. That's what I thought it was. Cheers to that, boys. Now, I couldn't find anywhere that it was actually her, and she's not credited in this episode. On the King of the Hill wiki, they say that Velma doesn't appear in that episode, but I took a picture of her. She looks a little different, but I think that's acceptable, considering the last time it was a snowstorm, and now she's just at the post office, so... I'm pretty sure that's our good friend, Velma Throckmorton. I mean, if she's uncredited, nobody can prove you wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell, I guess. I, yeah. But I sort I mean, of thought it was, I mean, she knows Hank, so, but did she say from where? No, I mean, I guess we're just assuming that she's just a Strickland client. Customer, yeah. that's. But it gets kind of jumbled for me because it also could be the lady from the trailer park where it was Pamela Adelong. Where it was... Uh, no, that lady not know Hank's name. The Barrel of Pickles. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, it could have been, it could, it, it could, if you told me it was Pamela Adlon, I'd probably believe you. I know, right? So uh, I want to believe what I want to believe, and it's Cheryl Holiday. <laughs> I mean, we already did the thing. So, I mean, he's down Bill, he's down Boomhauer, he's got his quote-unquote best idea man with him, his... and their bright idea is to go down to the dump and just... Bury all of this stuff. Yeah, he, he, of course, he's still got his faithful, trusty, paranoid sidekick. <laughs> Don't say his name. <laughs> yeah, he has no name. <laughs> but yeah, they're at the uh, municipal landfill, and they're trying to... Uh, I guess Hank is just dead set on disposing of this stuff without anyone seeing him. Because, I mean, the logical thing to do would just put it in a garbage bag. But it all has his name on it. That's true. 
That's true. So they're at the dump and they're digging a hole and Hank's just looking gross. Like he's just got like dirt and shit all over him. And Dale's like, you just stepped in a diaper. <laughs> well, he's also got no dryer. So there's it's a running theme yeah. this whole episode that nobody's been able to get new clothes. And like they get progressively dirtier and dirtier. Yeah. And he's, uh, yeah, he's not getting any cleaner. And uh, just at this point, uh, some of Arlen's finest show up, the police show up, which is weird that they would just kind of be randomly patrolling the outskirts of this stinky landfill. But anyway, they show up, and before Hank can turn around, Dale's fight-or-flight reflex kicks in. Like, this is like the fourth episode in a row, I think, where he's just scurried away at like the slightest sign of and trouble. I think, I think it's really just like a flight-or-flight yeah. complex. We're, we're for nothing flight right now. Yeah, I mean, like, last-ditch effort is the pocket sand. <laughs> <laughs> Even at the gun club, he'd run. Yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, historian, I believe you said there was a deleted scene. There is, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's just kind of tacked on to the end of the scene where Hank... So Hank's talking to the police officer, and then he starts giving him the, well, I was born in 1953, I was very ill as a child. <laughs> and then, like, starts to just boogie. And uh, he's got an armload of toys and gadgets. And he starts just, like, spraying the lube on the... Yeah, what was that, aerosol lubricant? I guess it was. I mean, it had to have been. It must have been, like, some sort of fun, like... Whip cream. <laughs> maybe know. it was maybe it was edible. I have no idea. <laughs> Dang old plastic right, man. It did look like shaving cream. <laughs> I just assumed it was lube because it caught was supposed to slip on it. But in the deleted scene, Hank also added a few anal beads into the mix. <laughs> he just like dropped some anal beads, and I guess he spilt and fell on the anal beads. <laughs> What's an anal bead? <laughs> Don't describe that. You have a heart attack. Fox probably wasn't going to let that fly. So, of course, uh, Hank has to resort to fighting the power. And uh, we got a very nice scene of Peggy driving home uh, in her car, singing along beautifully to Juice Newton's Queen of Hearts. What a name that is. I'm playing with the Queen of Hearts. You know she isn't very smart. What the hell? Of course she sees Hank, but that song is Queen of Hearts, a country pop song written by Hank DeVito, the pedal steel guitarist in Emmy Lou Harris's backing group, The Hot Band. It was first recorded by Dave Edmonds on his 1979 album, Repeat When Necessary. It was released as a single and reached number 11 in the UK, number 12 in Ireland that year, but failed to chart substantially elsewhere in the world. And the most interesting fact I could find out about it is that it was featured in season 20, episode 10 of South Park, Splatty Tomato. I didn't know that people outside of America liked country music. Country music's big in Russia, boys. <laughs> <laughs> It was also featured in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. <laughs> her, her karaoke session is cut short when she notices a dirty Hank very Hill. Very dirty. A very dirty Hank Hill. Posted up in the back of his truck like a crazy man with a petition around his neck. And he's just like looking for people who want to boycott Arlen video. And like he he does it at his house on like a suburban street where I'm sure it's not very no, busy. No, this is in front of the store right now. Oh. Yeah, this one, this part is, he's, like, Peggy sees him in front of the store, and I guess she convinces oh, okay. him to go home. Okay, no, okay, I'm, okay. But he reveals here that he's gonna take, take her to small claims court. Take her on video to small claims court. Sorry, yeah. 
But it's funny Hank doing this, like standing in front of a business that he's displeased with. He's got the sign around his neck saying to boycott this place. And it reminds me of myself a few years ago. I bought a new vehicle and I was having some problems with it. And I took it to the was local. Was this a Blazer? It was my sweet 1993 K5 Blazer, jack to the sky, nine inches high. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was sweet. I missed that thing. But when I first got it, I mean, well, the whole entirety of me having it, the thing fucking broke down yeah. like crazy. But within the first couple of weeks of owning it, it broke down like a bunch of times. So I took it to the local auto shop and they've, I probably paid them two grand. They said they fixed everything. I brought it back home and before I even got home, it broke down again and I had to pay for a, a tow truck to bring it back. And I was like, at this point, I'm like fucking pissed off. And I'm like, you guys got to fix what's going on. Like, don't phone me until you know that it's fixed. And I was at home. I was still living with my parents. My dad was like, yeah, well, you know. If, he, if they give it back to you again and it's still not fixed, you know what you do, right? And I was like, I don't know what. And he's like, you sit over in front of that place with a sign that says, this place fucking is a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like... Seriously? And I was like, well, like, I've got the internet. Like, I just go bash uh, him on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I bet your dad just wanted to see you do it. <laughs> oh, he probably would have been like, I'll oh, switch shifts with you. Like, yeah. oh. <laughs> But, I mean, like, it is a busy main street, but, I mean, yeah, there was no way I was going to do that. Uh, long story short, they eventually got it fixed, and... Uh, you sold that thing before it broke for somebody else. Yeah, it actually did break right after I sold it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, that actually kind of... That is funny, because it does remind me of when uh, Van Al Video was my favorite place to rent movies. I loved it there. And then... I haven't thought about that place in a while. That was one of the last... It strongholds. Was, it was the last good video store. Like, yeah, like they like had the a real huge kind. They had the beads selection. in the back too. They did have the beads in the back. They had a huge selection. They had all this, and they were the only ones that like kept VHSs. So like, they never got rid of anything, and they were around f forever. I remember you always wanted to go there, and I was like too young to really have a thought. So all I would do is just hang out on the like library computer oh, of all the movies just and just one? search shit up. That like computer, that DOS computer from it like looked... 1997. Exactly. Yeah. Probably it... like 1993 actually. Yeah. It was like, yeah. It, it, was, sweet. it was sweet. Blue background, white letters, literally just like code on a screen. It was uh, a lot of fun. Um, yeah. You had to like type slash Adam Sand yeah. plus Sandler, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. The, but it reminded me because that store um, towards the end of its life, when I really wanted to support it, I couldn't because I had rented Pulp Fiction because our friend Mike wanted to watch it. How did you not own, like, eight copies of that movie? Um, I did own eight <laughs> copies of that movie, and I lent it out, and it, it never came back. But anyway, I went to – we just – I we were at Hawkins' house, and he was like, oh, let's watch a bunch of Quentin Tarantino movies. I was like, oh, you haven't seen Pulp Fiction? Let's watch that. <laughs> I think hey, I suck. <laughs> I think Inglorious Bastards had just come out, so he was like hot on the train. But anyway, we went. Get Pulp this guy's pretty good director. We man. went to get Pulp Fiction, and uh, and then it he fucking sold it at a garage sale. Nice. <laughs> Remember when he moved? He sold it at a garage sale. I'm a hustler, baby. <laughs> we were neighbors. Maybe my mom bought it. <laughs> Maybe, but it never found its way back to Van Al Video, and they tried charging me forty bucks for it. And I was what? like, man, I have that shit for like $9. I'll give it to you. And they were like, no, we spent $40 on it. You need to give us that. I was and like, then he took him to small claims court <laughs> and won. <laughs> no, I just waited him out. Yeah, of course. And then when they had their clothes and out sale, I spent $40 on movies. <laughs> <laughs> Walked away with like 60 of them. 
Yeah, you single-handedly kept them in business. Yeah. Uh, was until they wouldn't let me rent movies anymore. <laughs> Which is why they went out of business. Might actually be true. Oh, man, his trial is tomorrow, and he's going in there with nothing but six honks and one signature. And that's on his leg. Darn taggers. I love it because this is, like, right when Hank is passed out in front of his house trying to honk if you hate our little video. You think Dale was the tagger? Oh, <laughs> no, I think Bill was. But I like that um, I like that Hank is woken up by a honk, but it's not the kind of honk that he was, like, had his fist high in the air for. That is my favorite scene from that episode. That's, of course, Hank waking up from sleeping in a lawn chair, thinking that there's someone honking for him because his sign now says, Honk if you hate Arlen video. But in fact, it's John Redcorn rolling up in his Jeep to uh, to pick up Nancy. And it's been a little while since we've heard what John Redcorn's blasting out of his... Uh, yes. Been a while! <laughs> out of his Jeep. And uh, this song, if you didn't catch it, is the 1979, uh, keeping in theme with the song that we just heard, uh, Single Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar. From her debut studio album, In the Heat of the Night, it reached number 23 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. The song peaked at number 16 in Canada. The song is available in the video game Rock Band and Guitar Hero World Tour, as well as Karaoke Revolution. Covered by the Chipmunks for their 1982 album Chipmunks Rock, the song was also voted the 72nd best hard rock song of all time by VH1. Now, I believe it's on uh, GTA also. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where I saw GTA earlier. But if I may, I may uh, I'm just going to recite a few lyrics here from Heartbreaker. Please do. <clears throat> Your love has set my soul on fire, burning out of control. You taught me the ways of desire. Now it's taken its toll. You're the right kind of sinner to release my inner fantasy. The invincible winner, and you know that you were born to be. My Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like that's Nancy singing it. Yeah. I feel yes. I feel like that's Na that's Na from Nancy's point of view. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just going for the rhyme. <laughs> it did rhyme. Maybe then maybe she rhymed it with her. She, she signed it from Nancy. Mm -hmm. Like that. <laughs> and then uh, we look over. Jason to Hank is the guys, and it's a very 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 rare sight because uh, standing in for Hank is none other than his wife Peggy. Yep. Having a beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saying a little, oh, yeah, because they're all just like, for once, it's Hank who's like the uh, sad and crazy one who's just off by himself and doesn't have a friend in the world. And they're all really, really concerned about him. So, yeah, we see that we see Hank in his troubles right before and he's got he's got nothing right before court. But some mysterious packages left a pile of tapes and a letter. That Bobby mistakes as his gift. Look what Dad got me. There's cuffs and collars oh. and a whole bunch of other cop movies. Jailbait, hung jury. Hung jury. <laughs> Sounds like a banger. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't one of them like mounted police or something? Like That's in one of the oh, like videos that Hanks watches. Okay. But it's funny that they are police themed. All of them. Well, I thought it was just like like a cuffs and collars, just like not actually 
themed police, but themed like bondage. Well, no, you see, the thing is, they rent the costumes for like months. So, like, she's like. <laughs> they got the set built, they have the prison, they need to make all their films. Well, they got the prison set built and the costumes there, and then the next month it's. I don't know. <laughs> submarines. Oh, I love submarines. Where does it go? <laughs> Underwater. <laughs> uh, it goes down. <laughs> but uh, Peggy quickly uh, grabs the videos from Bobby. She then ushers him quickly out of the kitchen and kind of slams him down on the table in front of Hank. I have here in the historian's notes... Peggy thinks Hank tried to give Bobby porn because she's a fucking idiot. <laughs> I, did, I did write that. That was actually why I just interrupted you. Because <laughs> she is a fucking idiot. Like, honestly, why would she think that, like, Hank would, in the middle of all of this, also think to a 12-year-old, here's, like... Some nudie mags. Like, why would she even think for a second that Hank intended on Bobby ending up with these tapes? The only thing I can think of, and not like I'm defending her, I also think she's a fucking idiot, but all of a sudden maybe she's like, oh my god, you are Cotton Hill's son. <laughs> Porto for the boy. <laughs> I mean, he got a shotgun last year. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I mean, I mean, it's she is learning things on Hank every day. But... Of course, Hank would never rent those tapes. And uh, we as an audience kind of get confirmation in this next scene when we find a ransom note. Well, the, yeah, the tapes come with the ransom note. And it looks like it's collaged out of a magazine and it looks kind of like a serial killer wrote it. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, like, another episode that I haven't watched in years, or not years, but a while. And then I was, like, looking at it and I was like, wait, where the hell where what, where is the, where are they going with this? You know. Honestly, I kind of I was the same because like I didn't quite remember what where it was going. I thought that because I thought it was Boomhauer, mm. just because like I don't know he had the video camera. Yeah, I mean it. It really went from just the audience assuming that it was like just a case of a screw up at Arlen Video to being like a calculated attack on Hank. Well, I mean that it, is weird, but I think it was like. I mean, it was always the Beast. But that cycle started somehow. I thought it was with Dale, because Dale is the serial killer type to do that kind of weird shit and put the time in. Uh, Bill slipped under the radar for me. Yeah, did somebody call a plumber? Come on in. I'll show you where the leak is. <laughs> this Hank begrudgingly watching all of the, uh, I think there's four porno tapes that were dropped off for him. That's kind of why I thought it was Boomhauer, because didn't he mention that in that? Oh, when you yeah. saw no, earlier? Yeah, because uh, the ransom note said the the, the truth is in the tapes. I yeah, think. that's what he said. Troop, a friend. Yeah. P.S. I need the tapes back when you're done. A yeah. friend. <laughs> <laughs> so Hank's in his den, a.k.a. Luann's room, watching... Uh, he was in Luann's room. That's actually kind of fucked up. Yeah, watching porno in your niece's room, but uh, that's whatever. Hank's got to do what he's got to do. It's the most private place in the house with the TV, I guess. And it was funny that, like, the, it shows, like, the VCR just at, like, 12 o'clock. And then it does, like, the little, like, do-do-do-do-do pan where it's supposed to be, like, hours later, but it just still says 12 o'clock. Okay, why did you... I have a theory for that, but what did you think of that? Because nobody ever sets the fucking time on their VCR. Okay, there's... <laughs> there's that. But I can't... I thought... Like, I had a picture where, like, Hank was, like, unplugged it to, like... 
plug it back in so like the beast was the memory would reset so like it wasn't like i don't know talking to the internet or something weird i don't know i feel like it was the same minute because nobody watches porn for more than 45 seconds <laughs> right. right you guys too right that might be true <laughs> nothing lovers can do can take that long <laughs> yeah if you only consider your own needs real funny scene that happens because Hank's got his notepad out and he's jotting down anything that he thinks might help him win his court case the following day you know like actresses names uh things he's noticing in the scenes but his pen stops working and right about that moment Peggy comes busting in the door or barging in the door if you will she's barging Hank's Hank's busting and she totally sees Hank just jerking off or so she thinks like it's just you could just see his right hand going up and down in front of his lap I mean he's just trying to get the ink in the pen to work yeah obviously and she there's actually a deleted scene here where you see it from the other end and it is and it's just Hank over the shoulder jerking off like (laughs) just just going to town yeah I think I read online that Fox uh cut out a lot of what the scene was so uh, it was they fully wanted. animated like yeah it was i like i looked at a few things in this episode and i was like oh this one is risque i mean i'm okay with them cutting it i'm fine i didn't watch the deleted scenes i'm good i actually kind of was like it because maybe in 98 you're not thinking in the world of gifts but like it's a gif it's a gif. That's what it is. It's just hang over the shoulder jerking off for about four frames <laughs> And we're going to go to Bobby's free haircut because Peggy has screamed bloody murder for them to stay away from the house. Get out of the house. At least three hours. So while, while he's getting his haircut, Bobby's getting his haircut, he's explaining to Luann that he had to leave the house for three hours. So they must be up to something in there. And they're getting ready for his party. So it must be his birthday party. And yep. Luann takes this to mean as if it's his actual birthday. Oh, then I guess this haircut is free. I'm still supposed to charge you for the shampoo. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Like, they both know his birthday is it for three more weeks. I mean, let's not expect Luann to, like, understand this knowledge that she's retaining. <laughs> Aren't haircuts at the community college free anyway? <laughs> <laughs> no, they are not. But, like, it adds to the fact that the historian's right. She's baked all the time. And I think so. Also, like, we've seen in the past, like, Bobby's even questioned her himself. Like, are you even listening to a thing I'm saying? She's very self-focused. Well, that one, she was high on Valentine's Day. Fair enough. I think she's still riding that pain train right now. Well, um, while Luann and Bobby are killing time at the uh, beauty school, Hank has a little revelation while he's watching watching the tapes. He has a little aha moment, if you will. A girl can dream. Mr. Hill, you allege that you have been the target of systematic harassment at the hands of a major international computer conspiracy known as The Beast. That is correct, Your Honor. And uh, that was the voice of the judge at Small Claims Court. And uh, she is played by American actress Lynn Thigpen, who started her career in the 1970s, appearing in such movies as Godspell and The Warriors. Oh, shit. Is she the radio host? That sounds just like the radio host. I don't know. I didn't the actually hear big, that. big, bad warriors. It is. <laughs> I love that. Can we, like, play a clip and also insert clip? For all you bumpers out there in the big city, 
all you street people with an ear for the action, I've been asked to relay a request from the Gramercy Riffs. It's a special for the Warriors. That's that real live bunch from Coney. And I do mean the Warriors. Here's a hit with them in mind. I love the Warriors, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I love her voice there. So did, tell me more about her. Did she well, did you, she the one with the video game? Pardon me? Was she, uh, did she do the voice in the video game, too? Couldn't tell you. But YouTube bros may recognize or remember her from the Warriors, but she's perhaps best known for appearing in all 296 episodes of the 90s TV show, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego as the Chief. Oh. oh, that's why you were listening to that earlier. That's why yeah. you're asking me about Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, I did. I was priming you guys up. Uh, Lynn only appeared in this episode of King of the Hill and unfortunately passed away March 12, 2003 of a cerebral hemorrhage. She was 54 years old. Oh, that's unfortunate. Cheers. Cheers. So, she wasn't in the video game then. <laughs> So we get kind of an intercutting shot between Hank's trial and Bobby and Luann at home. And after the beauty school, after his haircut, which his hair has not changed at all. Uh, yeah. What hair is there? Just a number two. And he kind of he kind of gets a little disappointed because uh, he sees outside. It's pretty quiet and there are no cars. I wonder where the magician parked. <laughs> That's like, he kind of loves magicians. Oh, I love, like, this is his, like, hypothetically, like, dream surprise party. And he's like, where the fuck's the magician? Well, remember on the Valentine's Day for Carrie Strug, he, he wanted to get her something frilly, like a magician's wife would wear. <laughs> Bobby has, uh, idolizes magicians, I guess. Surprise! <laughs> 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 what is that noise? Let's hear it one more time. <laughs> How did Pamela make that noise? It's like it's like she got someone to like step on her big toe while she was yelling or something. Like that. In the Bobby voice, like I believe it's another one, like because they go right into his bedroom. What does that one sound like? Surprise! <laughs> I was wanting to hear the It's like, am I supposed to kill this pig? <laughs> they just hang out in that room in that scene for like seven more seconds, like. <laughs> <laughs> Back in court, uh, the island video clerk's not really putting out much of a fight. He's just kind of standing there. But Hank has got his sleeves rolled up and he's dishing out the business. And he's finally starting to get the upper hand. Well, I mean, the clerk, all he's got to lose is 40 bucks. But Hank, he's got his, his pride on the line here. And all of his research paid off because he goes through an elaborate explanation. And classic final courtroom scene where he explains his case and he basically sums it up that the movie that he rented was not made by the date that he rented it at. So, of course, this is fake and he needs to be acquitted of all charges. And let the record stand. Hank Hill knows his pornography. True. And he found out because of there was a tattoo on one of the actress's butts. I believe her name was Dee Dee. Oh, it was something DD. And while he was talking about it, I kind of was like, I was waiting for him to bring up like DD 
Cotton's wife, mm. kind of like as like some kind of a. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know, but I was like, when he started to say Dee Dee and I didn't really know the twist, I was like kind of prepared for it to like cotton to burst in and God, something yeah. to happen. I don't know. Well, we all get that it was a play on Double D. Oh, Cuffs and Collars. We, we, we all get it now. That's what I was thinking too, because her last name fit right in with the, the Double D. I can't remember what it, I what forget it was. What it was too. But it was something funny. There was I just heard Dee Dee and thought, Miss D. Dee Dee at but yeah, Hank, uh, through Hank's research from spending all night watching those porno tapes, that uh, like what uh, our Troop Scout leader just said, the movie that he was in question about renting hadn't even been made yet. It was uh, about three weeks or two weeks premature. Yeah, it was uh, supposedly rented on June 23rd and her birthday, her 18th birthday wasn't until July 2nd. Yeah, and it was weird because he said it was her return to the adult film industry. No, it was the other woman's oh, return. Oh, was it? It was okay. the Vivian... Her co-star. Far- Farnanda. It was a... Fernanda Valley or whatever it oh, was. Oh, was it Fernanda Valley? I think so. I think it was. Okay, that's better. That's uh, that's way less creepy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's happy times. The whole courtroom erupts and they set the seed so perfectly it's like some you know bullshit judge judy thing the two guys before him were arguing over a pair of sunglasses and a dollar and (laughs) fifty cents but everyone's on hank's side now that he wins and i'm sure the arlen video clerk was just like fuck i don't care it's like 40 bucks and he just went home i'm surprised he even showed up to court (laughs) i mean honestly like the whole court scene and the guy with the buck 50 at the beginning it i was like man i want to watch night court because there's just so many good opportunities for people to come in with silly stories. Like, I fucking remember watching Judge Joe Brown and, like, somebody got was, like, suing over somebody stealing a bucket of pears from his pear tree. Like, what the fuck? I love those videos on, like, cops where it's just crackheads, like, accusing other crackheads of selling crack. Because they're stealing their customers. <laughs> well, I can't even call the cops. <laughs> But um, while the jubilation in the courtroom continues, we pan back once again to Bobby and Luann, and they're still at Rainy Street in the Hill House. And Bobby is really, really sad. I can't believe they forgot my birthday. Oh, don't worry. They still got a whole month to remember. (laughs) So she knew she was getting ripped off a free haircut. (laughs) She literally just goes along with whatever Bobby says. Just well, always just, on his maybe side. Maybe she just wants to give family a free cut. I mean... She's looking for any excuse to give family a free cut. Well, he had it. to pay for the shampoo. Yeah, well, you gotta get your buzz cut shampooed, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still not over for Hank. Uh, he has to go redeem himself at the Megalomart and finally buy that new dryer. With the happy face, approved. Yeah, he's going to turn that frown upside down, and he does, and I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but he buys the dryer that Bobby wanted, the one with the glass door, the so that master. you oh, could so. watch the TV show about wet clothes. Let's buy this one. It's like watching TV, only the show is about wet clothes. <laughs> but we forgot to mention one of the last scenes in the courtroom. Bill quietly walks over to the stack of pornography and takes them. And <laughs> his job is done. His job is done. Uh, he put up a fucking damn fine effort uh, making it seem like he doesn't watch pornography. And I was with, Lays with Beeve in thinking the whole time that it was Dale 
that was doing it, but that's funny. I totally thought it was Boomhauer that gave him the tapes. They tricked us again, boys. I yeah. yeah. Boomhauer's a smooth criminal. It's a regular Agatha Christie. So of course the whole Rainy Street comes home in a convoy, a parade even of sorts. And I thought it was fun that now we have that same kind of like triumphant patriotic hum song mm-hmm. that Hank was on about in the beginning is like louder now. Yeah, we see Hank and Peggy in Hank's pickup. We see Dale in his old green pickup. Boomhauer's in his 1968 Dodge Coronet. And I paused on it, and I was like, where's Bill? I was like, oh, he must be with Dale. But he wasn't. So I guess you know, he was just snuck out the back door with his porno tapes, went back home, and you know, stashed him somewhere in his dirty old house. Yeah, I wonder how he got back. I figure he's still in the juror's room using their house TV. Reviewing evidence. <laughs> Reviewing evidence. So that brings us basically to the end of the episode. Bobby thinks they're all there for his birthday, and we get a happy ending. Yeah, they never break it. They're all kind of like, yeah, son, it's great. It's a new dryer. (laughs) It's a new dryer. Yeah, because Bobby's stoked. He's like, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I can start us off with our final thoughts on this one. I, uh, I really like the plot line of this one. Putting Hank in uncomfortable situations is always good, and I like that it's situations that, like, also could potentially make the audience uncomfortable as well. Like, I know, like, I'll admit, I, I've I've seen what porn is, but I don't want people to know what porn I've watched. Shame. <laughs> so I can totally relate to Hank in that that sense of like shame and and, and embarrassment. Uh, but I like that. I they, don't believe that Hank even watches it. Period. But it's the thought of other people thinking that he watches it is the gotcha. is the pain and the embarrassment because it's like hearing a rumor about you, you know? It's not true, but you feel the shame as if it was because people, that's what they think. And, like, that's just kind of – that's our social built-in feelings, emotions. But what I'm getting at is that I like that they made the – Big data is what, like, Hank thought it all was when really it all spawned from Bill. And he never finds it out, so their relationship is still great. Wait, 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 wait. slow down. You're telling me that what I'm supposed to believe is that Bill rented the porno in his name? Is that not what we're all thinking? No, I don't think so. Is that because let's talk? Is that what you think happened? I think. Well, yeah, your, your final. That's that, final well. My it's basically thinking that I thought that he was the one who set up this whole like yes, big data takes it, but somebody has to put it there, and I'm pretty sure Bill did Hank wrong by renting videos. See, I now this is what I thought because because first of all, the fact remains that the movie didn't exist when it said that Hank did it, so it was an error in the computer ends somewhere. My interpretation of it was that like say the clerk at the store mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to take this movie and I'm going to assign it to some random account. If it wasn't the clerk, then it was just some other person who was able to forge like a, an account there and just rent the movie and never return it. Oh yeah. But I thought it was more like malicious. I didn't think Bill just wanted some porno that was going to give Hank a, a hard time. Oh, okay. I thought, I, I thought that Bill, that was just Bill's personal collection. Okay. Because he had more than one tape, right? So, like, if if it was Bill renting the porno, uh, then he would have to, like, then maybe you know, he had four tapes. Maybe, 
Like, they weren't all accredited to Hank. Mm-hmm. So, like, unless he's going, unless I believe that Bill is going around forging every document for his his obviously large collection of porn, <laughs> uh, I, I believe that, that Bill's out there making his own money and buying his own porn. Got yeah. Uh, and he's got a large collection. He just understands it. But I th- and I think that he was just like, oh no, I've seen cuffs and collars, and that didn't come out in June twenty third. But he can't tell Hank that, so he sends Hank the clue with other movies around oh, the same time. Oh, that totally makes right? sense. Right, because he's like, Fernando Valley was in this one, and and this cuffs and collars is a big deal because it was a return. That makes meaning sense. Meaning the time totally. had passed. So like, so he's trying to help him. So I, that's how what I took from it. Well, I like that better than mine. So I'm going to believe that, too. It says signed a friend. Totally. He's trying to help him out and say, you can do this, but I can't help you. Exactly. I'm also going to borrow these. Because Bill also wants to not air his dirty laundry all over the street. Which makes sense. Which I launched into my final thoughts. I'm happy about (laughs) that theme about the dirty laundry being aired. Uh, Like, I think that that is, um, that's just a fun thing. run through of the whole like storyline it's like called hank's dirty laundry but like it's really about him getting his like dirty laundry aired out in front of the street aired out in front of the street and it's literally how it starts what about you Benzie? <laughs> well <clears throat> unlike you two bros i have never watched pornography before <laughs> so this was a nice learning Miles. experience <laughs> for me <laughs> no i got busted the first time i looked at pornography <laughs> wasn't allowed on the computer for like a year miles you send me pornography at lunchtime at work <laughs> well you request it <laughs> do not what do you want me to do i'm just being a good friend <laughs> do not. no i love this episode i love when hank's uncomfortable i love when dale's conspiracy theories win over hank because hank's scared and I liked the the Bobby and Luann side plot, and um, no, yeah, it was funny. I really liked uh, the premise of this episode. Everyone was uncomfortable except for Boomhauer, it seemed like. But uh, yeah, I have no complaints. It was a great episode. All right, well, that concludes our final thoughts for the episode. There's no book to go along with this episode. I had a look, but I I, I saw nothing, nothing from this book. But I have a book actually um, in the mail, so. Yeah, we're Let's excited, excited for, that. for that one. We'll see when that one comes. Is it cuffs and collars esque. <laughs> it's, it's a it's it's a coloring book. Cuffs and collars, a coloring book. Ooh. Nice. Fabio's on the front. With the episode closing, we're going to close out our meeting until we meet again for... The next episode is the final Shinsult. Sorry we've been forgetting to remind you the next one, but we will continue to try. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, let's get a final roundtable. Wimatanya. Wimatanya.
to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow, join the conversation on Twitter at Boots of Cothpot or follow us on Instagram at Boots of Cothpot or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Yeehaw! Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.